Dear God, uh, I just want to come to you today and say thank you for uh, the opportunity you've given us in this retreat and this, uh, these sermons, Lord. Uh, I just want to pray that uh, you really speak through me and Courtney, uh, you know, and that everyone's listening with uh, open ears and open hearts and open minds, Lord. And, uh, you know, we all leave a little bit, uh, you know, wiser and uh, more mature and just overall with you in our hearts, Lord. Uh, I just want to pray that uh, we look at community today and uh, look and see the difference between what it is you dream for us and what it is uh, that we unfortunately have today, Lord. So uh, just thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for your son. This is name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, so uh, like I just prayed about, guys, we are going to be going over community today. We're going to start out actually looking at uh, a definition, uh, just a dictionary definition of what community is. Community is said to be a uh, feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. All right, and so... Pretty basic, right? Uh, nothing too crazy about that. Um, when we look at community in our uh, society today, uh, just modern day community, um, I'm kind of honestly troubled. I think uh, if you guys were here for Mackie's second lesson, he showed a video on, uh, it, was, uh, it said social media and it turned it into anti-social media. Um, and this is something I did a little bit of research about before because it seems honestly like we live in a community nowadays to where uh, we're always connected. We're always uh, knowing, you know, what's going on with everybody else, you know, uh, at the click of a button, you know, in his little cell phones, like it's a touchscreen, whatever. Uh, you know, we can, we can put our feelings down or just say, you know, not having a good day or having a great day. Look what I had to eat. I mean, just whatever, you know. Uh, and so it's kind of crazy because we look at the fact that we've never been as able to be uh, connected and uh, such a great community before. Yet when I was doing my research on modern-day community, uh, sociologists have found uh, in the past few years that people have never been more alone and have never been more depressed and stressed out. Uh, and I honestly, I honestly do think it's actually because of the way we treat our community with these uh, you know, little Facebooks and Instagrams and Snapchats and all these other things that I don't have. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not very social media savvy. But... Uh, if you, if you need to know about social media, Courtney's great at it. Ask her later. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, I, it's, it's just crazy because we can, we can have the worst day, and we can just post on, like, Facebook status, had a bad day, and think, man, you know, I'm letting everybody know. You know, I'm having a bad day. But how shallow is that to just be like, here's what's going on. Somebody talk to me now. You know, ask me a question. What's, what's, uh, what's up in my life, right? You know? And that normally doesn't happen. Whereas if we didn't have those things, you know we'd be going to talk to somebody about it. And so it's kind of uh, concerning when we look at, uh, at just how the world treats um, the things we go through on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and read real quick through uh, Habakkuk 3.2. It's our uh, verse we've got on all the revival posters and everything. It's our, our weekend's verse. It says, uh, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And guys, Habakkuk is yearning for something different. He says, God, please, please do something great in my lifetime. I want to see a difference made. The way things are isn't right. And guys, I think this is the way we have to look at our community, especially in God's kingdom, if we want to be able to make a difference out there in the world. We have to be able to revive an authentic community. 
Okay, so the first thing that we need to do in order to revive authentic community is we must make spending time with other disciples a habit. And this principle is something we see all throughout the New Testament, the first century church, so we know it's important. Hebrews 10.25 tells us to let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. A habit is something you do over and over and over again until it becomes natural, right? It's something that becomes a part of your day-to-day. It becomes a part of your lifestyle. And this habit is very attractive to people. I grew up in a church where you went to Sunday service, maybe a Wednesday night service, and that was it. You did not associate with people outside of church. You went about life um, alone and isolated with your family, and that was it. People didn't invest in you. They didn't sacrifice their time. They, they quite frankly didn't care. And so when I started coming around to this campus ministry, I was attracted to the amount of time that they spent together. It was something that they clearly valued. It was something that they did outside of Sunday mornings, outside of small group, outside of cross chats. These people did life together, and I wanted that. I wanted to be a part of that. I even remember, I I mean, I studied the Bible with two of these girls that I normally wouldn't have associated with or really been friends with if it wasn't for their, their interest in my life and my soul and my eternity. And we became the best of friends. And that's one of my favorite things about God's kingdom. You bring all these different people together from different backgrounds. We have different stories, different hurts. And those are, I mean, some of my best friends, we are so different. We couldn't be any more different. I know the girls in my group, we always joke like we are a diverse group of girls to the point where when we go out somewhere, people comment. <laughs> they say, this is an interesting bunch. <laughs> like, you guys don't look like you fit together. We have the athletic people, the anime people, um, <laughs> the, pr- the princess, you know, girls, the girly girls. And it is, it's strange how we are all connected and are, you know, have a depth of our relationship. And it is attractive to people. I mean, people make those comments, but then they start asking us questions and how are we such good friends? And I think just the, the importance of if we're going to be an effective campus ministry and an effective church, we have to make, this ha- make spending time with each other a habit. It can't be something that we neglect. It can't be something that, you know, we make excuses for. We can't let our own selfish desires get in the way because it is, I mean, quite frankly, sometimes it is hard to hang out with those people that are so different from you. You don't have a lot in common. But because of God, we do. That's our foundation. And so I value making spending time with those people a habit. Okay, so if we want to revive authentic community, of course, we must make spending time with each other a habit, right? We also have to make sure that we're being authentic and vulnerable with each other. Uh, Guys, I remember uh, whenever I wasn't a part of a church, you know, when I was out there with the world, you know, doing my own world thing. uh, One of the things I remember the most is how fake I was and how inauthentic I was, and how I never let anybody in on the true things that were going on in my head and, and going on in my life. Uh, I didn't want anybody to know anything. Uh, you know, my business was my business, uh, and that's just the way it was, you know? Uh, and, I mean, there were different reasons for that, of course, but most of it was fear. And so I'm going to go over three fears real quick that we can have 
that uh, really disable us from being truly authentic with one another and, uh, and being vulnerable. Uh, the first fear, guys, is the fear of exposure, all right? We are afraid of letting people in. We are afraid of letting people see us for who we really are, the real us, because we're afraid that we're going to look damaged or we're going to look dirty or we're just not going to be as cool as the person next to us, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know. Like, I remember in high school, man, I, I hung out with people, and if I thought that person was, like, so funny or, or had a certain way about him, I would act like that person because I was so insecure and I was so afraid of people uh, seeing me and not wanting to hang out with me or not wanting to be around me. And it was miserable. I would never go back to high school if I had to go back and relive those years because it was that bad. Um, so there was definitely the fear of exposure. And following that uh, feeds from the fear of exposure, we have the fear of rejection. Okay? We are afraid that if people do see us exposed, if they do see through us, if we are transparent, they're not going to want anything to do with us, all right? We're afraid that, you know, if, if I let, you know, friend A here know what happened last night with my family, they're going to think I'm a freak. They're going to think my family is the weirdest family. They're not going to want anything to do with me. Or if I, if I tell friend B over here the thought that I had yesterday, uh, you know, about, about that other person, you know, they're, they're not going to let me hang out with that group anymore that, that, that I'm associated with, uh, with, with them, you know, or whatever it is. We are always fear and rejection. And sometimes we don't even think those thoughts. It's just naturally in us. And, and we're just like, not going to say that. You know, like, don't even think past that. All right, we don't, we don't think, well, why am I not going to say that? Oh, because I'm afraid that they're not going to like me. I'm afraid they're not going to reject me. We just, it, it's built in us, guys. It's, it's our natural tendencies to not pour ourselves out. Because if we do that, there's a chance that someone might not like it. All right. And the third fear, all right, the one that follows rejection is the fear of being hurt again, okay? And I think, guys, this is very important to look at. This is the root, all right? This is the cause of it all, the fact that there has been hurt in our lives before, all right? No one has lived a life without pain, without, uh, without being hurt at some point by someone, by something. Someone could have said something in passing, and it could have ruined your week. Like, there is always something that, that clings to us, all right? And the thought process goes like this, okay? At first, we go down through that exposure. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to talk about what's on my mind because they might reject me, and then I will be hurt again, and I don't want to feel that, okay? And it's so easy to think these thoughts and to hold back, but it's so easy because it's so wrong to do, all right? The right things to do are always hard. We have to remember that, guys. It's, if, if, if God's love was easy, it wouldn't be love, all right? We, we wouldn't have that love. We wouldn't ha it wouldn't mean anything. We wouldn't desire it. We wouldn't want it. We wouldn't want something different. None of us would be here, okay? And so, uh, real quick, in James 5.15, it says, Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then in 1 Timothy 1.15-16, we see a great example of a man who decided to push past all these fears and these hurts uh, and, and be something for Christ. It says, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This saying is true, and it can be trusted. I was the worst sinner of all, but since I was worse than anyone else, God had mercy on me and let me be an example of the endless patience of Christ Jesus. He did this so others would put their faith in Christ and have eternal life. Who is this? It's Paul. That's probably the most uh, evangelical man, besides Jesus, of course, to walk the earth. Okay, I, I, I could pretty honestly say I, I don't think we would be here without that man, okay? And he was the worst of all. Like, he had to push through some crap, guys. 
And he did, though. And look what happened because of it. We have to remember that. We have to look at what is on the other side. What if we do push past this? What if we are authentic? What if we are uh, vulnerable? Okay, so not only do we need to be authentic and vulnerable, but we need to realize my need for my brothers and sisters. Fellowship is built on mutuality. In fellowship, we grow with each other. We're stronger. Guys, when you surrendered your life in baptism, you were added to God's family for a reason. We need each other. We, I'm lucky that we don't have to go through this life alone. Romans 1.12 says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. So a couple things that we need in order to have um, mutual fellowship is we need to have mutual accountability and discipline. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Guys, this verse is not a suggestion. It's a command. We have to be involved in each other's lives. And if we are making that habit of spending time with each other, then we're going to be. We're going to know each other's flaws, our sins, our hang-ups, our struggles. And we have to get involved in those things. Um, I know Chris and I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for the people in our lives that cared enough and put their own feelings aside and put their... I mean, it's, it's hard to say the hard things, right? It's always uncomfortable for the person saying them and for the person hearing those things. But we were lucky enough to have people who put those feelings aside. They got involved, they said the hard things, and they exposed our sin. And I mean, I, I know I needed that time and time again. There, there are countless times that sometimes I didn't even know I was doing things that were sinful or that weren't beneficial because of how I grew up. That was just the norm. That was what I grew up seeing. So I didn't understand, and I needed those people to get in my face and be like, this is sinful, this is destructive. It's going to destroy your relationship with God, and it's going to, just to destroy your relationship with other people. And I know I'm so grateful for that. I, in Hebrews 12:11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, we're, I'm not perfect, Chris isn't perfect, but I do have a sense of peace because year after year I've been able to grow in ways that people have exposed my sin and they've, they've taken it seriously. I mean, sin is serious. The Bible says we have to make war against it. And I know that, you know, without those people, it would be... It would be an unfulfilling life because I don't want to be that person where they're just like, oh, that's just Courtney. That's how she is. You know, that's how she acts. I, I want to change and I want to grow. I want to become a better friend, a better wife, a better leader. Um, so for some of the, us, you know, that's hard to do. It's hard to say those things. But then on the other hand, there's the other half of us where it's easy and it's harder to be encouraging. <laughs> and I feel like this is this is my weakness. Um, it is awkward for me to encourage people. I grew up in a house where encouragement was non-existent. In fact, it was criticism, putting each other down, condescending. So encouragement is hard for me. So naturally, it is easier for me to do the disciplining and to be like, you need to get your act together. Um, 
not that long ago, a guy in our small group, actually, he, he wouldn't talk at cross chat. He kind of sat in the corner and did his own thing, and he's not shy, and I've heard him speak before, so I was getting really frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, you have this, this story. You, you can offer so much to different, to different people and different guys that are coming to cross chat. You know, use your story, speak up. And so I wanted to, I just wanted to strangle him. I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to discipline this guy. I'm going to tell him how it is. Like, I have scripture. Um, but instead, I didn't get around to it. And then the next, like, small group session that we had, he, he opened up and he talked about how insecure he was um, when it came to speaking and how he just felt like he didn't make sense and his words weren't precise and he didn't have clear thoughts. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is, this makes a lot of sense. No wonder he's not talking at cross chat or getting engaged. Like he's, he's allowed Satan to fill this, you know, to feed him this lie that he's not able to speak up and, and do those things. So I pulled him aside really quick, which was hard for me. I have to be really intentional <laughs> when it comes to encouragement. I saw an opportunity and I knew that that's what needed to happen is, instead of disciplining him and I just took him aside. I encouraged him, let him know, like you know, you you do speak very well, and you're you're clear and you're easy to understand. And people are going to be able to relate to you, and you're going to be able to change lives based on what God has done through you. So speak up and talk about those things. And sure enough, the next week he was the first to talk at Cross Chat and the first to speak up. And I'm just like, gosh, I. You know, the Bible tells us to encourage each other daily, and I fall short in that area. That is something I am not, I'm not good at, and I really do want to learn to see those opportunities more and, you know, take, take advantage of them. Um, I know the third thing we need to do is we need to have uh, mutual honor for each other, which this ties into encouragement. I think, um, you know, we need, to, we need to be excited for each other, and... We need to lift each other up in a way that, um, you know, gives people confidence. I think, you know, we live in a world that's so competitive and, you know, if you're not first, you're last. And it's all about, um, you know, just being the best. And I think sometimes out of insecurity or different things, it, it can be like that in God's kingdom. Everything's a competition. I want to do this better than this person. And that's not right, guys. I mean, this is, this is God's family that we're a part of. This should be the place where we go and we get excited for each other. We dream for each other. If we, we see talents in people, we need to be the one to spur them on and to push them to use those talents for God's kingdom. And I just think it's, it's something that we do. I know Chris and I struggle with in our small group, and I want to make sure that we are encouraging each other and making sure that we're doing things that honor each other and that bring, bring them a confidence that they're going to be able to be used in God's kingdom. Okay, so if we want to revive authentic community, we must make spending time with other disciples a habit, uh, be authentic and vulnerable, realize my need for brothers and sisters, uh, the mutuality, and also, guys, we have to be sympathetic to my brothers and sisters. And guys, honestly, being uh, sympathetic and having sympathy is something that I think is going to be hard for me to talk about because I feel like it's one of my weaknesses. And at the same time, I feel like I've been given so much sympathy over time. Uh, I think that um, it can be difficult at times to go ahead and look at someone and be like, oh, well, okay, yeah, oh, yeah. 
All right, so, so it, can be, it, it can be really hard, guys, to, to look at someone and, and see the problems you're going through and be like, oh, well, I feel so sorry. Let me, let me carve out time in my day for you. Let me, let me uh, do this for you or, or serve you in a certain way whenever we're usually concerned about ourselves. All right? Um, in Colossians 3.12, it says, As holy people whom God has chosen and loved, be sympathetic. You guys, I can think of two points in my walk, and, and hopefully I make it through, but uh, where sympathy has meant the world to me. All right, the first one, uh, back in 2011, my, my dad passed, uh, passed away, and it was a really hard time, uh, a really, really hard time. Uh, but I remember the night that I found out, uh, you know, I, I had friends by me. You know, I had um, the, the church, uh, the, the campus leadership actually left a movie to come and uh, be with me uh, in, my, in my dorm hall. And it meant a lot. And Danny that night, you know, took me into his house, made me my favorite dinner. It was, it was pretty awesome. You know, it meant a lot. You know, and right now, me and Courtney are, are dealing with uh, infertility. You know, and the amount of support we've received. It's, it's crazy. Like, you don't see that in the world. You know, you don't see, you don't see people being like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up eating for 24 hours so that I can pray for, for you guys. You know, you don't see people, you know, coming up and pulling you aside and, and, and just, just asking questions. You know, like, it's just not common. You know, and guys, I can tell you right now, if it wasn't for people doing that, you know, like, there's a good chance that me going through these times, it would be a lot easier for me to dismiss God, dismiss God's family especially, and say, I'm, I'm just going to do things on my own. You know, I, I, I don't need this family. I don't need, you know, help. And to get prideful, you know, and to, and to get, uh, just, just, just to do foolish things, you know, things that God doesn't want me to do. And so we have to look at, are we taking every opportunity we can to make sure that our brothers and sisters feel supported in times of need? Because there's always going to be those times of need for, e- for each one of us, you know? I mean, there might be someone that's like, you know, always acts goofy or silly. It's usually me, actually. You know, but, but even if they're not showing it, there are times that they need someone to come up and give them a hug, you know, and, and ask how things are going. Okay, so we need to be sympathetic to our brothers and sisters, but we also need to be humble. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. So humility is our response to those people saying the hard things, to the discipline, <laughs> to the accountability. And it, is, it goes against everything I feel. Um, I grew up seeing humility as a weakness. Um, I saw it as something that... Uh, made you look stupid or wrong, and um, it was just, it was foreign to me, this concept of humility and just the response to being corrected. Um, I don't know, I think this is something my zone girls do a really good job at. They, they set the pace in this area. They know that they want, they're committed to God and to his kingdom, and they want to be effective. And so they, they are wise, and they invite people to say those things. And they are wise in the way that they respond. I know um, there's been 
a Devo. There's a Devo app that I read every morning, and it's been going over first and second Samuel and just David's life. And I love David's response to being corrected, which he had to be corrected many times. And every time his response was humility, and he admitted that he was wrong, and he asked for forgiveness. And I want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be the kind of person that people are like, yeah, I really need to say something and call this, call her on this, but I'm afraid of how she's going to respond. And I, I don't want them to not say anything because of that response and just be like, well, that's just, that's just the way she is. And it's, it's just, it is what it is. I, I don't want to be that. I want to grow and I want to change the sin in my life because if I don't, I'm not going to be effective and we're not going to have a community that's effective. It starts, it starts with me and my response and having humility. And so I want to be wise and I want to invite those people to know that, you, please, like, please say those things. Whatever you see, please say it. I don't want to continue living in a way that's sinful or not beneficial to other people. And I will try my hardest to be really humble in those areas that I need to work on and grow on. All right. So, uh, just to recap, guys, if we're going to revive this authentic community, we've got to make spending time with other disciples a habit, be authentic and vulnerable, realize my need for my brothers and sisters, uh, be sympathetic to my brothers and sisters, be humble. Uh, we also have to give the mercy that I have been given. Guys, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. I think this is a thing, honestly, that a lot of uh, leaders in the church can struggle with. I think whether you're a leader in the campus ministry, adult ministry, a, a secondary ministry, or even if you just help your leader a lot, like, I mean, if you are in charge of something, it is really easy to look at other people helping out and be like, man, why doesn't this person get it? They've been doing this forever, you know? And I think we have to remember where we came from. Like, I myself, like, man, well, it took me a, a wife to be able to finally get my act together. Like, it, in all honesty, it, it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> It was pretty bad. I was one of the most selfish, egotistical people that I've ever known. And so nowadays, it can be really hard for me to look at someone else that struggles with the same sin uh, of selfishness and to say, man, you know, I know I, I eventually got my act together. Why can't they? They've been selfish for so long too. And that's not right, guys. I mean, how are we going to be able to help each other if that's our thought process? You know, our thought process should be, we're not, I'm not going to give up on this person, right? It should be, I'm a, may, maybe, maybe I'll say something to them, but I'm going to put it in a different perspective so that they can understand a little better or maybe see things a little different. You know, just we have to make sure we're being patient with each other. We have to make sure we remember where we have been. All right. Um, in Colossians 3.13, it says, uh, you must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. And how deep is that, guys? I mean, how crazy is it that a God came down on earth and did everything he could so that we would have opportunity uh, for, for salvation and for eternity uh, through his works? Guys, who are we to say that person needs to get their act together? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. If, if Jesus came down and acted that way, why are we any better? We're not. We have to get that through our heads. Sometimes our heads are pretty thick. I know mine is all the time. Courtney will, t Courtney will tell you. It's, a, it's, it's, it's hard to get through sometimes. Right in the lesson, it was, it was, it was pretty hard. I'll say that right now. Uh, but we have to remember that, guys. If, if Jesus came down and lived the 33 years of crap that he did and was still perfect through it all, I mean, that's, 
hello, like, start thinking things a little differently. Have grace, you know? He did it so we could have grace on each other. Yeah, so we need to have that mercy that we've been given, but we also need to provide a safe and confidential place. Guys, the church and the small groups that you are a part of, they should be the safest place in the world. Um, You know, I can't go to work and talk to my coworkers about our infertility issues um, or the frustrations that I have with my husband. Um, You know, (laughs) I mean, I I can't go and be vulnerable and I can't talk about those things because they would take advantage and they would spread gossip and they would spread lies and, you know, we don't have that close, intimate, deep relationship. So I, I rely on, on the church, on my small groups, um, on our zone. You know, that is that place where I can go and I can be real. I can be honest. I can let them see, like, all the crap. And I don't have to, I don't have to hide that anymore. And I, I, that was something I longed for growing up. Um, I never had an atmosphere or place where I could I could do those things and without the fear, without those fears like of rejection. And I know this is important in our church and we have to make sure that we take, we take this seriously and that when, you know, when we are approached with an, with an issue, we have confidentiality with each other and we're trustworthy. I know I don't have to worry about gossip at all in, in our small group or, you know, with our zone. I know and that was the first thing that really attracted me, attracted me to God and to his kingdom, um, especially, you know, being a girl, a gossip, I think, is more of a common occurrence, and that was something I saw all growing up. And so, you know, my first friendships here, I, I almost waited, like, to hear, you know, the gossip or the things that would be spread about me, and it never came. <laughs> and... Um, it was weird, and it was different, but I, I was like, this is it. Like, these are the friends that I want to be a part of my life, and I want to do life with. I can trust these girls. I can trust these people. They have my best interest at heart, and I know that they want what's best for me, and that they're going to keep that confidence, and they're going to be those trustworthy friends. Um, I do think sometimes we can get in the habit of... Um, you know, talking about people's stuff because we're trying to seek advice. Um, This is something I've seen a lot lately. It can be easy to seek advice from a ton of different people, whether you're trying to get the answer that you want to hear or or your intentions are good and you just want to do the right thing and to have the right advice and the right scripture. But I think it's important to be really careful with this and to make sure you are seeking advice from people that are involved in those situations and that know what's currently going on so that you can uphold that confidentiality and make sure that things aren't getting spread and that you, you are that friend. You're that good friend that they know, you, you know they can go to and they don't have to worry about you know, things, getting, things getting out and spread and just making sure that we're being you know, good friends to each other and making sure that this, this place is safe. And that's, that's what is going to bring authentic community. People are going to be drawn to that, and they're going, to be, they're going to want to be a part of something that's safe and that's confidential. All right, guys, and the last thing I want to talk about tonight, uh, about how to really be and to revive an authentic community, is, uh, is we have to be unified around the purposes of God. All right, unified 
around the purposes of God. Uh, let's talk about that word real quick, unity, okay? So uh, a lot of times we think the word unity, we think like, okay, well, what, what is unity, you know? Is it fellowship, you know? Uh, how can I really define that word? And I think we, we need to go through a list of maybe what unity isn't. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times we think about, well, you know, it's, it's like fellowship, right? Well, yes, but it's kind of like the pinnacle of fellowship, right? It's what, it's what happens during fellowship, okay? Um, so it's not just fellowship. It goes past that, all right? Let's actually, let's go up. Let's look at uh, that uh, definition I gave in the beginning. Uh, so a feeling of fellowship, which is that one? Uh, a sh- uh, result of sharing common attitudes. Uh, I mean, that happens too, but that's not the definition. Uh, interests. Uh, I mean, not really. You don't have to have similar interests. You know, goals. You know, guys, these are things that are pretty shallow when we think about what true unity is. When we want to know, if we want to know what true unity is, we need to look at our foundations in life. We need to look at, do I surround myself with people that have common foundations? Do we rely on the purposes of God? All right, because that's what unity is. Unity is finding other people that have that foundation. They're, they're built on that rock that is God and God's word. All right. Only then are we going to have true unity. All right. If we're Christians, we're disciples, and we say that the word is truth, right? I mean, we all believe that, right? The word is truth. That's what it is, what we live by. Then how, are, how is unity going to be anything different than surrounding ourselves with that truth? You know, that's, that's what it is. All right. We have to make sure that, uh, that we see that as, as being an important part of our lives, is that we unify with each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the first five chapters of Acts, there are ten different times where uh, the word unity or, or instances of unity are talked about. There's times, there's, uh, some of the things that said are, they were of one accord, they were unified, they were all together, they were of one heart, they were of one spirit. Guys, all these things are said... And this is talking about the first century church. This is talking about, you know, thousands of people being baptized and being reached and being uh, taught about God's word, about that truth. And it, it, it literally spells out what true unity is, guys. And guys, when we look at unity, that, it, that's community, all right? If we're going to revive authentic community, we have to have that unity. We have to have, of course, everything else to talk about too. But we have to make sure that we're trying to reflect how God is telling us to live. Guys, if, if we call ourselves God's kingdom, but on an individual basis, we're not living in God's word and we're not fearing what God has to say about how we live, then we are not a part of that community. All right? We have to make sure on individual, in, our, in, our, in our individual lives that we're doing whatever we can to live by God's word. All right? Uh, guys, to wrap up, we're going to look at Acts 2, actually. We're going to look at uh, verses 42 through 47. All right, it says, They spent their time learning from the apostles, and they were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed together. Everyone was amazed at the many miracles and wonders that the apostles worked. All the Lord's followers often met together, and they shared everything they had. They would sell their property and possessions and give the money to whoever needed it. Day after day, they met together in the temple. They broke bread together in different homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God. Everyone liked them, and each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. Now, when we first look at this, it sounds like a bunch of weird people. <laughs> you know, who does this thing? Who sells their stuff and then gives the money away? Like, it, 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 it doesn't make sense, right? Who's always around each other? It's weird. People don't see it in the world, all right, guys? It's different, but that's the way God tells us community needs to be. 
All right? Now, I want us to look at that very last sentence there. It says, And each day the Lord added to their, uh, their group others that were being saved. So, guys, if I want us to, to kind of look at something from an outside perspective. God created humans, right? God made the Word, right? This is basically telling us how to be successful humans. So, when we do this, these things that are odd to people of the world, it is strangely attractive when we do it the right way. People have literally come to our church and, and been baptized and come to, you know, I mean church in general, one church, right? And been baptized because they just saw something different. And they were like, I want that. I'm tired of the crap in my life. These people are actually talking to each other about their problems. They're figuring it out. They're doing things the right way. And they still admit they have their crap, and we all have our crap. We know that. But they're in it together. This community that I'm seeing is, is different, and I want it. And guys, some of us, you know, there, there, there are some of us that are very lucky to be born into the church, you know, and to be, and to be raised up you know, through God's word, but that's not most of us. And that's not the world. We can't have the, any, any excuse for going out in the world and trying to make our community bigger and trying to do uh, what actually Ryan and Katie got done talking about up here in our last lesson, discipling, okay, trying to get other people to just see what God wants for them, all right? Imagine, I mean, what, what would you say if you knew all these opportunities uh, were being presented to you by God, and then one day you have to face God and, and have him say, well, I did this at that time. Why didn't you talk to that person? Why didn't you show them what I've done in your life? Why didn't you show them your family, you know? Because, guys, that's what it's going to be. That's the reality. That's, that, that's, that's an eternal scope right there. We have to keep that mindset, all right? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray for us real quick, guys. Uh, and then uh, we'll uh, head to lunch, I guess. So, uh, God, I just want to come to you and say 